With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mary! What? Where's me top? Wherever you left them. Uh, did you see me flip-flops? Ah, uh, here. Make your next holiday fuss-free with an Avantcard personal loan. With personalized pricing that's made for you, at least there's one less thing to worry about. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Let me snorkel! Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avancard DAC Trading's Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is your host Tyson Roush, and we got a lot to talk about tonight. I mean, there's there's player news, there's coach news, there's owner news. So the Jets, there's plenty of news about the Jets to talk about. So without further ado, I'll bring on my co-host Joe from Long Beach. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm I'm excited. I'm ready to talk Jets and ready to talk uh, player player news and all that other news we got to talk about. So let's go, man. Yeah, I agree. And our phone lines are open, 929-477-2651. On Twitter, we're at TalkJetsRadio. And the callers that are on hold will bring you on as soon as possible. Um, and, Joe, we'll start out. There's a lot of news. And the first thing I guess we talk about is the quarterback news. And, you know, Woody Johnson is never scared to make headlines. And I think he made one this time without meaning to do so. And the big story was when they asked Woody Johnson about Geno Smith, and they asked him like a kind of a comparison to Mariota, he said, you know, Geno Smith is, is ahead of Mariota. He's better than Mariota, which to me, I think he's saying, listen, Geno's been in this league two years. Obviously, he's ahead of Mariota. He has the advantage right now, but all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, Geno's Woody's guy. They just don't want Mariota. To me, it's, it's much to do about nothing, but what was your take on that? Yeah, to me, it seemed like much to do about nothing. Um, I actually thought it was a pretty smart answer by Woody because it kind of gives you a smoke screen on the pick. So even if they do want to pick Mariota, they're not tipping their hand and they're not giving too much away. 
Um, and, and on the flip side, it also, you know, put, puts kind of a, a feather in the cap of Gino, you know. It, it gives him some confidence, maybe. You know, Woody said, hey, this is my guy. He's better than Mariota. Um, you know, and I want to ride with this guy, even if that's not the truth. Um, you know, it, it just gives some confidence maybe to the guy and makes him feel like he can, you know, he's the quarterback of his team and, and my owner wants me here. So I, I, I think it was much to do about nothing. But I think it was, a, you know, just a decent statement by Woody. And, and the other thing, too, is let's keep in mind, there's a significant chance that Mariota's not going to be available. So why even build up Mariota, kind of like kick Gino down a little bit, when Gino's going to be your guy? I mean, unless the Jets try to trade up and get Mariota, there's a decent chance, especially at the reading of the reports today where Mariota's going to go either one or two, that, you know what, chances are you're going to enter this season with Gino Smith as your starting quarterback. And, I mean, you know, Todd Bowles said today, you know, as of now, Gino's the incumbent. He's going to get the starting reps, especially with Fitzpatrick recovering from injury. So, I mean, Joe, like you said, build Gino up, build up his confidence, not to the ridiculous Rex Ryan levels, but say, hey, listen, Todd's our guy. He's getting starting reps. We're confident in him. Is he better than some unproven rookie? Yes, which is logical. So, you know, I, I think you know, as Jeff fans, we've got to start realizing, listen, there's a very good chance Gino's going to be our guy this year. Exactly, and, and, and I think that that was all that statement was about. Um, like you like you were speaking about, it's a really good chance that Gino does end up being the starter. So you know we just gotta we just gotta do as much as we can to help him out. Uh, we we changed offensive personnel to to do that as well. We also made some moves to, to help him out on the offensive line too. So uh, I, I feel like it, you know if Gino feels like he has the, the the organization behind him, and you know even through his ups and his downs, you know we're still sticking with him and his owner wants him, then, you know, this guy's going to go into the season and into the preseason and, you know, in the offseason as well and, and studying everything with, with just supreme confidence. I, I thought that was a move. Yeah, and I, like, listen, I mean, we, we were both very critical of Geno last year, but this is a new season with a new offensive coordinator with new personnel around him, so I'm all about supporting the kid. And the thing is, too, is let's not forget the success Chan Gailey had in the past with quarterbacks that weren't known to be prominent quarterbacks. Tyler Thigpen, Cordell Stewart, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So the other question I have for you, Joe, is this, is with Fitzpatrick being limited for the most part until training camp, do you think that whatever advantage he has in Changeli's system kind of goes away then? Because now Geno's getting all those reps. Even though it's only mini camp and passing camp and all those little other things, Geno's getting those reps. So, and then he's going to be heading into training camp as the number one guy. Do you think whatever advantage Fitzpatrick may have with familiarity, that kind of gets limited now with Gino getting all the additional time in the beginning? It may hurt him a little bit, but you got to think that Fitzpatrick is a savvy vet. This is not a guy yep. that, you know, he's been around the block. He, he's done this more than once, more than twice. Um, I don't think he has to have all the reps to be, you know, uh, the, the starter here or even fight for the starting job because I think once you go into preseason, he already has an extreme familiarity with the system. He knows it inside and out. Um, th that's one of his strong points is he's a very smart quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, you know, maybe not taking the reps, you know, before preseason, you know, in the offseason when they're just studying. It, it may hurt him just a little bit, but if he comes back fully healthy and he's physically intact, then I think he's going to be just fine. And I think he'll push Dino during that preseason to, you know, to, to, to be the starter. And, and I think that'll work. But as far as book smarts and as far as film room study and all those things, Fitzpatrick has it down as far as the system goes. What do you think? No, I, I agree. I, I laugh when, you know, right now everybody's trying to determine a starter and determine who has the edge and who is the winner and who's all these things. And my answer is we don't know. I mean, 
Fitzpatrick knows the system. Gino's a better athlete. You know, Gino is young with some potential. You know what you have with Fitzpatrick. I think I'm hoping that they're both. Honestly, I hope they both enter it even. And I want the best man to win and the best man play, and that's how it plays out. I think you know I I would be excited, obviously, if Gino could do it and shine because then we possibly have something a young quarterback with athletic ability who could make some plays. That'd be awesome. But if it is Fitzpatrick and he can game manage and make us win ten games. You know, it, it all comes down to winning at the end of the day. So, for me personally, I don't think anybody has an advantage. You know, I think that Fitzpatrick's familiarity does help him, but I think him being out is going to help Geno, so that kind of neutralizes things. So, uh, I'm hoping, Joe, to be honest with you, I hope they're even. And I hope that, you know, it's a true open competition, unlike, you know, with Rex, where the best man's going to play, the best man's, you know, like, you, you earn your reps, you earn your spot. And that's what they said today in the press conference. So, hopefully that, that's truly the case. Exactly, and that, that's one of the things I want to see as well. I, again, like I've said in the past, this is going to be Geno's first true test as far as a, a quarterback, you know, as far as a quarterback competition. So this is going to be his first competition. He's got to deliver to uh, win the spot. He's got to outplay this guy. And, you know, for all the all the hits that Rex continues to take since he's, he's been gone here, one of the things he never actually gave him a competition. Uh, he never really put Geno in the fire and really had him go in there with a guy that, you know, was going to take his spot for sure. So, you know, here it is with Fitzpatrick, a guy that knows the system, a guy that's savvy, um, you know, makes smart plays. He's a game manager, just the same guy that we need. So, like you said, they, they should go in there the same, and then whoever comes out swinging and knocks the other guy out, then bang, you're going to be the starter. If you make good throws, good plays, and you're, you're getting your check downs and, you know, you're, you're manipulating that defense and, and taking what they give you, scoring points, which is extremely important here, then you're going to be the starter here, no ifs, ands, or buts. No, I agree. And, and just one side note, you know, and this is something that this is, you know, how I love reading the media. But you know, today there was, there was a headline where Joe Namath, Mr. Joe Namath, loves to make headlines and sell his barbecue equipment. Said if, the, if Mariota's there, the Jets have to take him. Mariota should be the Jets' quarterback, and all this other nonsense. Joe, you know, I, I understand that Joe Namath is a good quote. He's supposedly the face of the Jets franchise, which I respect it. I understand what he did for the organization, everything else. You know, like, you know, I'd be more impressed. If Joe Namath told me if he broke down the entire draft class and gave me a prospect to watch other than Mariota and Winston. You know, it's like it's a headline to make to get some clicks. For me, I'm, I'm just like, dude, seriously, like, do we have to get your two cents other than, yes, they have to take him? Because I, I can make a very good case to not take him. You know, but it's like, oh, well, you know, we got Joe Namath's stamp of approval. And I'm like, oh, like, it, it has no value to me at this point. I mean, does it have any value to you? No, it doesn't. Um, I've said in the past that I think Joe Namath, you know, he, he did great things for the franchise. He's always going to be iconic here. He's always going to yep. be a legend here. No one's going to ever take away anything he did from the franchise. But I think Joe Namath needs to be quiet. And I think he needs to take a step back. Uh, there's other players that are just as legendary with their franchises that don't do as much talking as he does about the Jets negatively uh, about their team. Um, and, and I think he just really needs to take a step back and relax and stop trying to get, you know, stop being, you know, forefront in the media all the time and saying things to get clicks and constantly banging on the Jets the way he does. We don't have to take Mariota. No one says we have to do anything. We have to get better. We have to win yep. games. And whatever we have to do to do that, whether it's taking Shane Ray, whether it's moving down and getting linemen, whether it's stockpiling picks and picking somebody else, maybe it'll, who, who knows what we have to do. But whatever 
McCagnan, Bowles, and Woody come together and come up with that's going to make this football team better so that we can win games and get to the next step and be competing for a Super Bowl and also as well continuing our longevity so that we can compete for years and years to come, that's what we need to be worried about. That's what we need to be doing. We don't have to do anything other than that. So whatever puts us in that position, that's the road that we need to take. No, I agree. It's like, you know, at this point, there is there is no have-to guy in this draft. For me personally, it's like you can make a case for a lot of people, and with the questions surrounding Mariota, he's no slam dunk in my eyes. So for him to say that, I thought it was kind of – it was annoying. I'm just tired of hearing from him. I'm like, you know what? I respect it. I understand why he's speaking out, but I agree with you. I, you know, I'm not enough. But enough on name. If The next thing is, it was an interesting conversation. Well, there's two of them, actually. But the first one was – the, the thought process that now with the new improved secondary, that the Jets should try to c- consider taking offers for D. Milner. And oh. my first question, my, my first answer was why? First of all, initially, you're not going to get anywhere near his value just based on his injuries. I mean, he's not even ready to play now. So if you do trade him, you're not going to get the remote value that you should be getting. And second of all, Joe, why in the world – would you give away a young corner with potential? In this league where the corner, corners are at a premium, that even though, regardless of what you think he played in the last two years, regardless of that, a young corner with potential in Todd Bowles' defense, why, who's making next to no money, why would you trade him away? I, I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this. I think that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I totally agree with everything you said. On top of the fact that this is still a guy on a rookie contract, this is still a guy that's cheap, and he's extremely – he's really good when he actually plays. Um, when he's healthy and everything's rolling around, we've seen the type of consistency that Dean Miller has and his type of – his talent as well. So it blows my mind why we would – you know, we have Revis, we have Crow, we have you – know. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Other players, we, you know, we, we're still working on Marcus Williams, but with D. Milner still there, we can go three deep nickel and, and shut teams down. Why would you take that away from your team? Why would you look to get rid of a guy that, first off, as you spoke about, you're not going to get your value for him. You know, you're not going to get back what you need, what you need to get back for the type of talent that he is. Why get rid of him? Young guy, still on a rookie contract, a, a cheap corner that's, that's extremely talented. You don't find that in the NFL like that. And we're going to have three really good corners when he comes back and is healthy. I don't see why you would get rid of that. That just that doesn't make any sense. As deadly as this defense is going could be and should be, there's no reason why we should be shipping off pieces, especially when they're cheap pieces like D. Milner. I, I'm going to keep them. I don't know what people are thinking when they talk about getting rid of them. <laughs> did I, I did don't I, did know. I hit a sore, did I did I hit a sore subject with you, man? Oh man, you you did it. 
I've been wanting to talk about this because I've seen this conversation over and over again and being had about, yeah, maybe we should get rid of him and see if we can get some value for him. Dude, you're not going to get the value back that you need to really either replace D. Milner or you're not going to get back what he's worth. First off, and like I said, second off, he's cheap. And he's a very talented corner, dude. We can go, we can shut people down going, you know, three deep. And and he's he's such an integral part of the the rotation as well. You know, it's just. But you see, that's, blows but not even mind. that. But not even that. It's just like you have McDougal, Milner, say Marcus Williams, Darren mm-hmm. Walls. I'm excited to see these guys in Todd Bowles' defense with this kind exactly. of pass rush in front of them. I mean, it could change the whole ball game. So instead of having Milner on this island where he's back there for eight seconds, you're just swimming with sharks. You know what? It takes only four seconds now because we have a pass rush or we have blitz packages or we have Rebus. I mean, it mm-hmm. changes the entire dynamic. So uh, me, I'm in the same boat. I'm not writing off Milner. I'm not writing off McDougal. I'm, take, I'm taking them to the bank and saying, you know what? I'm hoping they flourish. I'm hoping Todd Bowles gets through them. Casey Rogers does. And you keep young, talent, young cheap talent with potential. Trading it away, Joe, would be 1,000% foolish. But before we go into more topics, we're going to bring on our first caller. This is our good friend Sal, who's got something to talk about with us. So, Sal, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, guys. How you guys doing? What's up, man? Thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. Always a pleasure. What's on your mind? Oh, um, I definitely wanted to talk about the draft because I believe, you know, right now I think this is the first time and definitely, you know, since I can remember being a Jets fan, that I think we're truly set up to take the best player available at six. Uh, well, thank you for calling again, Sal. Thank you for calling in. Um, I'm wondering, what exactly, who would you take in the draft? What, what is the guy that you would look to bring to the Jets to improve whatever position you feel like we're, we don't necessarily have enough of? Well, in my honest opinion, I'll say it's not Mariota because if we want the best player available, it's got to be someone who can come in and have an impact on day one. And the player that I think that is is either Vic Beasley or Dante Fowler. You give us that edge rusher with the secondary that we just put together, the free agency, and with the guys we have front, that's what's going to make us better at number six. So I think those two guys are people you're going to want to look out for. Okay, Vic Beasley would, would be a solid choice. What are your thoughts about Shane Ray? Because a lot of mock drafts have us taking him now. Yeah, you know, I actually just forgot to mention him, to be honest with you. I, I looked at his pro day. I believe he ran a four five two forty. He's got good speed. I believe he's in the same, you know, category as those guys. So I think any of those three guys would definitely be, you know, not a bad choice. Randy Gregory's not too bad. Um, you know, those four guys, those four edge rushers, I don't think you'd go wrong. Okay, yeah, definitely. Like I said, getting an edge rusher, uh, like you said as well, uh, another pass rusher would definitely light it up for this defense. I think that's one thing that we're next, we, we might be missing this year, and if we could fill that hole in the draft, I'm all, I'm, I'm all about it. What do you think about trading down, though? What are your thoughts about possibly trading down from the sixth pick and moving down and maybe going after an offensive lineman? What are your thoughts about that? You know, that's that's definitely not a bad idea, you know, with that sixth pick and the whole Mariota thing. If he's on the clock, there's definitely going to be some calls taken by McCagnan about possibly moving, you know, down, which I wouldn't mind. You can, you know, you could solidify the line. And, you know, we did lose some draft picks. We traded we, – we lost our fifth rounder. I believe – I'm trying to think. I think the Percy Harvins became a sixth rounder that we lost. Yep. So it would definitely be great to accumulate some picks because what I definitely am looking for – 
is if we can take the best player available at six or possibly accumulate more picks, I would love to just have that much more freedom to maybe grab a Melvin Gordon in the second round or grabbing a, you know, a Duke Johnson or Philip Dorsett, you know, one of those guys who could just be a nice little weapon to have on offense. Yeah, you know, you know, Sal, it's interesting. Like, we talk about how we want to accumulate draft picks and things like that, and, and that sounds great. But for me personally, it's just like, you know, this is a this is a, a draft class that has explosive pass rushers, which has been a Jets need since John Abraham. So if we have the ability to get that guy, and we're sold on that guy, instead of trading down to maybe add you know a, a pick or two, I'm taking the pass rusher. Uh, that's just my personal preference. Because you know we just need it. That's the, right now. If you look at our defense, that's the missing piece to the puzzle. We added a safety we needed. We we shored up our secondary. We have this defensive line depth. We could probably use some help at linebacker, but you give me that edge pass rusher and that uh, an explosive guy that can dominate. This defense will be elite. I mean, don't you think that? I mean, it's just it's just sitting in front of our face that for me, trading down almost makes me nervous because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on a pass rusher. Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely a, that's definitely a valid point. And you know, I've been you know reading articles all across you know the internet on stuff. And part of me feels like if you see Dante Fowler at four, but he's a guy who's rising up draft boards, I don't think there's going to be much of a wait until you see Roger Goodell come to that podium and say his name. Because I have a feeling Todd Bowles likes him a lot. And you're right. It's something that's going to make our defense, you know, just into that elite level. And, you know, I'd be down. I'd be, I would love to take phone calls to what people are offering in a perfect world if they were somehow the Cleveland Browns would move up to six to take Mariota and we take those two first-round picks. I think that'd be perfect. But perfect world, i say you grab that edge rusher. Yeah, and the, my, my next question for you is, you mentioned the guy already, Duke Johnson. Now, you know, Mike McCagnan was on ESPN Radio today, and based on his conversation, it almost seemed like he's going to draft the running back. I mean, he, he said there was a need on the team, but he also said most teams, you know, get the guys they covet through the draft. Now, my question for you is, while I agree with him, what round do you go running back? I think if, you, if you're looking at a guy like Johnson – um, you know, Duke Johnson, it's going to probably be second round. I mean, I, don't, I think Melvin Gordon, I think he'll probably, he may be there as well. But, I mean, are you looking at one of those guys or maybe trying to hold, hold on a little bit longer, get a David Johnson? Like, what round are you thinking? Yeah, well, I definitely think, you know, towards our pick, I believe we pick, what, 30, I think 37th in the second yep. round. Todd Gurley's going to be gone. Melvin Gordon's going to be gone. You know, if not, they're, if they're not drafting the first round, they're probably going to be taken in those, you know, picks leading up to ours. I'd say, yeah, second or third round, you definitely, especially if you grab an edge rusher, you definitely got to look either running back or wide receiver. That's why I like a guy like Philip Dorsett. He has so much speed. He almost reminds me of a Percy Harvin, a guy who can land pretty much anywhere on offense and just it's a fast weapon to have. So I think it could be either second or third round to grab that running back. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I really like the guy from Boise State. I'm trying to remember what what his name is. It's something different. He's he's a pretty good running back. I definitely wouldn't mind taking him, um, you know, Duke Johnson, as I just mentioned. So I definitely think second or third round, that's going to have to be addressed. Yeah, so that would would be a solid move for us as well. Uh, Another move that I, I wanted to ask you about, Sal, is Amari Cooper. Say if Amari Cooper is still sitting there at six, are you tempted to take him, and would you take him at six for the team? Oh, you guys are just reading my mind right now with all these questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's a really good point because, you know, at number six, we have one team ahead of us who's been linked to a wide receiver. That's the Raiders. 
Rumors are they're falling in love with Kevin White after, you know, he ran awesome at the Combine, at Pro Day. That's the thing with Amari Cooper. We have Eric Decker. We have Brandon Marshall. We have Jeremy Curley. You know, Brandon Marshall, I believe, is 31. Decker just turned either 27 or 28. I would not be opposed to having a young guy like Amari Cooper come in here who are some people are comparing to the same level as Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., that can come in here and be a mainstay on this offense for a very long time. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. In my opinion, I think Ed Rusher might be a little bit more of a priority for us, but if Cooper's there, you've got to consider him. Yeah, and I, I, like I respect Cooper. I know some people listen to our show; they're they're huge fans of him. But for me, I, I'm still going pass rusher, and I'm just it's just my own personal preference. Um, my my last question for you, and once again, thank you for calling in, is what is your take on our quarterback position? I mean, right now, I mean, all signs are Geno's going to get the chance. It's Geno's job to lose, basically. Are you cool with that? And how do you see it playing out? Well, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about this too. You, we got to keep in mind with everybody, you know, Todd Bowles was talking to the media today. You know, we know that he's going to get those first team reps because, you know, Fitzpatrick with his leg going to be a little bit behind. People got to keep in mind, Bowles and Gino have yet to even, you know, kind of make a first impression. He still can't communicate with him, I believe, until the first week of April. So yep, we April can't 6th. be going crazy. Yes, April 6th. So we can't be going too crazy right now trying to say, oh, is it Fitzpatrick got the lead? Does Gino have the lead? I heard you guys talk about this before. I think this is going to be the first year where we have those two guys go in and they're going to compete. And whoever at the end of preseason is our best guy, that guy's going to get the job because Rex handed yep. the job to when it, when it was Sanchez. Sanchez got it. Gino, there's going to be a competition. And whoever comes out on top is going to be our guy. No, I agree. You know, and I think that applies to almost every position on a team, you know, minus oh, yeah. Revis and Mangold. But it's like, you know, you listen to these guys talk, and like you said, they can't talk to the players, but you listen to McCagney and Bowles, and they're both about accountability and competition and earning your reps. And it's like, you know, with, with Rex, he said that, but come game day or come, you know, you, it didn't happen. We know it didn't happen because we saw it firsthand. You know, the guy wasn't playing well. He stayed in the game. He was struggling. He kept starting. So, I'm hoping that it seems like what they practice is what they preach, and we hope they do because, you know what, they're adding a ton of depth, especially like if you're looking at the offensive line, defensive line, they're signing guys. It's going to be a legitimate competition, and let the best man win. And, you know, competition fosters a productive environment, and that's how you win. So, you know what, I, I think it's a good thing, and I, I agree with you. I think with the quarterback position, the best man's going to win. I'm hoping it's Geno, but if it is Fitzpatrick, so be it. But you know what? They can win with Geno. If, if he plays, you know, with this type of defense and a quality running game, they can win with Geno if they have to. Yeah, man. And just before, I, just before I go, you know, I saw your tweet today. Just to quote you, it said, definitely sound like McCagnum will look to draft for running back help. Oh, wait, wrong one. Excuse me. Which tweet was that? It was you were talking about how it definitely seemed like with the signing of, you know, uh, Bowen today – that the Jets are just going to have competition throughout every aspect besides Officer yep. Rebus, Mangold, and that that's great. Because I felt like Isaac always preached competition, but at the end of the preseason and the camp, you know, I just felt that never took effect. So I feel like we're going to see it all throughout the offense, defense, and it's going to make us better. No, I agree. And I think the other thing, too, is last year, I think there was probably a power struggle between Idzik and Rex, 
which isn't good, and that gets in the way of personnel decisions. Right now, McCagnan and Bowles are on the same page, same goals, same motives, and that's going to play a huge deal for us. I mean, oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. That's going to be, you know what I mean? They're all on the same page, which will help out. Say, listen, here's our five guys, the two best play. These three can get cut. And that's, I think it's going to pay dividends. I really do. So, Sal, our phone lines are pretty busy, so we want to thank you for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it. And be sure to call in again, man. No problem, guys. Look forward to it. Take care, guys. You too. Yeah, that was a great call. And, Joe, that was one thing I want to talk to you about tonight was, you know, McCagnan and Bowles. I mean, you know, last year, you know, Idzik preached competition, and we were all like, yeah, yeah, it's competition. But these guys talk about it. It seems like they're practicing it as well, especially with their free agent signings. I mean, they went out and signed Carpenter for the offensive line. You're like, all right. You know, they re-signed Willie Colon. You're like, oh, okay. It's, you know, I can see why they did it. Then they go out and sign Corey Hilliard. Then they go out and sign James Brewer. You know, your offensive line, because you already have Obushi, you have winners, you know, you, you have other guys there. So it's like, you know, you have Dozier, Dakota, you know, like there's young guys there, and now you have veterans there. There's going to be some serious, serious, fierce training camp battles on the offensive line. Yes, absolutely. And that's something I thought that they would address in the draft. Uh, but they've definitely picked up in the free agency and moved a lot of guys in. That's, that's something you're going to see. And like you said, uh, you know, like Bowles has said, like McCagan has said during their presser, you know, we want competition at every single position. And they've done nothing but prove that. Um, you know, they, they moved, they brought in Fitzpatrick to compete with Geno. They brought in all these offensive linemen to compete with the offensive linemen we already have with Oday and, you know, <laughs> and Giacomini and all these guys we already have here. So these guys are going to have to, you know, go into those competitions and, you know, hone their craft and, and beat these guys out, plain and simple. Um, bringing in guys like Carpenter and, you know, trying to upgrade their position, you got you to gotta beat the competition that's in there. So, we're definitely seeing a lot of things they said come to fruition, and they're, they're going to push a lot of guys in this football team to get better, which is going to make the team better as a whole. And so I, I definitely love the fact that they've done a, a, lot of, a lot of the moves that they've made and brought in a lot of competition and brought in guys that are, that are definitely going to compete at that level, at a high level. So as long as you got guys competing at a high level, like I said, it does nothing but make the team better and does nothing but, you know, push the team forward. So I'm all for it. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It's just you, you hope, Joe. There, there's it's just a different. It seems like a different era of Jets football right now. It really does. And the reason why I'm saying it is like it just seems like there's going to be leadership in the locker room. There's going to be leadership on the field. It seems it just for some reason. I I don't want to discount what Rex brought to the table. It just seems like there's going to be a, a different set of accountability, and it's going to pay dividends. Because now players are going to know. Listen, if I don't make meetings. I'm not going to play. If I don't do my job, I'm not going to play. And you know why you know that? Because Todd Bowles has told us that. You know what I mean? It, he just comes out and says it. You, you know, he just, it's like you earn your reps. You earn your time. And that's it. There's nothing else about it. You know what I mean? So with that, with that being said, we'll go to our next caller. This is another good friend of the show, actually. This is our friend Kyle who wants to talk about Philip Rivers. So, Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Tyson, Joe, it's a pleasure to speak with both of you guys. What's up, man? Um, I know, I know that 
I really so there's been all this Philip Rivers rumors out there that you know he doesn't want to sign a contract extension because he doesn't know what's going to happen, whether or not that San Diego's going to move to LA or not. You know, he's got that uncertainty, being that he's got a big family. Um, now, I really don't think he's leaving the Chargers for a couple reasons. You know, obviously they're intrigued with Mariota, uh, and if he does leave the Chargers, I don't think the Jets have a chance to get him because I really don't think Mariota's going to slip to the sixth pick. That's the first thing. And if you're the Jets, you want to sign him to a long-term contract extension. But what I'm hearing is if he goes to another team, he wants to, you know, live somewhere in the south, you know, maybe Tennessee, somewhere closer to where he was raised down south. And first of all, if you're San Diego, why why would you want to get rid of him? So I know that you guys said that, you know, you, you want to support Geno, and I'm all for that. I, I, I'm higher on Geno than I think most Jets fans are, as I think you guys are the same. So I'm just interested to see where you guys stand on getting Philip Rivers, you know, turn on the Jets and other, um, you know, they also do blog talk radio. They published an article today where they had two of their staff writers who are on different sides of the spectrum, the Philip Rivers spectrum. One thinks they should, one thinks they shouldn't. I'm interested to see where both you guys stand on whether or not the Jets should acquire Philip Rivers if he's available. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you for calling in, man. I always see you on Twitter as well. You're super-duper active, and, and I know you're always listening because you're always tweeting me. So I want to thank you for calling in. I also want to thank you for listening. Um, my take on Philip Rivers is that, look, you're not going to get him in for what we have already. Um, he's going to be way too expensive for us. Um, he, he, he's not going to take a deal that's going to come in and it's going to make sense for us. So I don't think we even have a chance at Phillip Rivers. Would I want him? Of course. You know, why not have Phillip Rivers? You know, he would definitely be our day one starter. No no doubt in my mind that he could come in, throw the football all around, make all kind of different plays, make our receivers better, um, make our offense better, pick up our offense and be able to score points. That, that's that's no question in my mind that Phillip Rivers has that talent um, and that he is still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But he, he's not going to fit on our cap. I mean, we've already spent tons of money this offseason, you know, we, we can we can speak about that later as well. But I just don't think that we'll have uh, enough money to, to, to bring him in. I've, I've heard the same exact rumors about Drew Brees as well. Um, I just don't think those – I think that's just what they are. They're just rumors. I don't think there's any truth to them at all because none of those guys will fit under your cap at all. Um, my question to you is, though, what do you think about Wait, the quarterback – we, we, we actually, Joe, before, before we even go into that, Kyle, what are you willing to give up to even like, – first of all, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, in terms of getting him, if you can get a top-ten quarterback, I'd be open to it. But my question is, even irregardless of his contract, which is going to be his last one, which is going to be a huge one, in terms of draft compensation, what are you willing to give up to get him? Very good question. Honestly, I just think he's – I think he's a really good quarterback, and it's just, you know, quarterbacks don't grow on trees, and a lot of people are very skeptical with Mariota and very skeptical with Gino. And this guy, he never misses games. He never misses games. He's always healthy, and I don't think he's the reason why they haven't won championships. Uh, I think he's got a good, you know, he might have a good five years left in him. I'd be willing, personally, to give up two first-rounders for him, personally. Oh, I know that's a little goodness. cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking a franchise quarterback – you bring Philip Rivers in on this team, and they're legit. But I don't think wow. you have to give that up in order to get him. Honestly, no, I don't. I don't think so either. But I think it's going to have to be. Obviously, I think you have to include the sixth pick. I think you're, you're, they're going to want a lot. I mean, this is their franchise quarterback. And then the other problem is you're going to have to give him an extension, which is going to be ridiculous. Actually, that's, I mean, a, it's a, that's a bigger thing. 
Yeah, I mean, yep. I think it, you'd it, only it, give up that if he agreed to a contract, though. Yeah, that's that's the problem. I mean, you got to look at it. This could probably be his, his last contract of his career. So he's going to want, you know, this. that's going to be a – it's a, it's an interesting dilemma because you have a guy that you know you can win now with. How many good years does he have left? Two or three, maybe. You're going to give up your draft for it. It's that's a really tough call. You know, it's like the Drew Brees one for me was a no-brainer. I'm like, it's not going to happen because it's twenty million dollars a year. So that's never going to happen. But you know, with Rivers is interesting. I don't think the Chargers are going to give him up. But you know, it, it is what it is. What is your take on, on a quarterback, other quarterback options? Would you go draft one in a later round, like a third or fourth round, like a Grayson? Or what other options would you explore? Would you try training for a Mike Glennon? Um, honestly, you know, I, I've watched a decent amount of tape on both Winston and Mariota. I haven't really watched other tape on the other guys, but from every, except for maybe a little bit of Hundley. But, you know, people are saying that Hundley's going to be just as big of, of a project as Geno was. So, um, honestly, I'm not high on any of them, and I wouldn't really want to take any one of those guys before the fifth round, to be honest. And Glennon, I mean, what would you have to give up to get him? A third-round pick? That's way too steep, in my opinion. I, You know, if, if it's not going to be a big-time name like Rivers, I'd say, you know, you just or, – or potentially maybe Mariota, then I think you just, you know, see how it plays out with Gino and Fitzpatrick. And I'm confident that either one of them could have, you know, lead just to at least a decent season. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are discounting Bryce Petty as well uh, in that talk, too. I, I, he, he showed some things at his pro day that definitely could kind of tip off that this kid could end up being some uh, pretty serviceable quarterback in the NFL. So uh, I think Bryce Petty would be a decent selection, too. I don't know if he'll last, uh, you know, maybe out of the first round, maybe into the second round. I don't think he'll be there. I think he'll end up going in the first round, maybe late in the first round. But Bryce Petty is somebody that uh, people need to look at as well. Well, my question to you, Kyle, is, though, you know, when you look at our draft position, when you look at that sixth pick, what did you look in the draft there? Would you move down, or would you look to take a pass rusher like a Shane Ray or a Vic Beasley? I mean, absolutely you have to be looking at, you know, trading down. I mean, I think it's just too enticing. You know, teams that traditionally trade down and get, you know, a lot of value in return, those are the teams that win. You know, just look at how New England has done that over the years. I think it depends on what you're given. You know, if a team is offering you three first-rounders in order to move up to your spot, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer to make the trade. But, you know, it, honestly, if you look back when we drafted Mark Sanchez, we gave the Browns a really bad deal. We moved up from 17 to 5. and really, really We gave up a lot, but, you know, not nearly as much as the RG3 trade a couple of years ago. So I think if the value is there, you definitely trade back. If not, you know, I would like to definitely see a pass rusher. We've just been missing that for forever. That was one of the things that always frustrated me with Rex's defense. He always had to create pressure via a blitz, and we just never had, you know, a guy that could just get to the quarterback, you know, just without, you know, sending, you know, linebackers on a blitz, you know. So I would really love to see an edge rusher, um, potentially, you know, maybe Lyle Collins as well. But I, I think it might be too much of a stretch to take him at six. Yeah, I agree. I'm hoping my, my hope is that we get the best pass rusher available at six, and we move on from there. I, I, to me, it's just it's the missing piece of the puzzle at this point. I mean, that's just you give you give our secondary with the support of Wilkerson, Richardson, and then you add a guy off the edge that can just dominate and just be you know re, you know just a reckless abandon. That's just it's a it's a dangerous dangerous defense to contend with. So absolutely, Kyle, and also you, want, you know to factor in you know Quentin Copeland's fourth year. Hope he's got his hand in the dirt now. He's not out of position. Maybe we could see some good things out of him. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? It's not. It's, we, we, you know, we we've talked to people, and, and when Joe interviewed <laughs> Mario Davis, Demario Davis said that Quentin Copels was the best pass rusher on the team. So maybe now mm-hmm. with Todd Bowles putting him in position to succeed instead of dropping in coverage and doing things like that, you know what? Crazier things have happened, but putting him on the line is is not a bad idea. Yeah. Well, Kyle. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for thank you for your support. First of all, and listening, and thank you for calling <laughs> in, man. You shared some great info with us. Oh, no problem, guys. It was very much a pleasure, and you guys have a good night. You too, man. Thank you. All right, we'll go to our next caller. This guy, this guy is a, he is a beast on Twitter. When it comes to Twitter and it comes to football conversation and you engage in anything, this is our man Hans, who who always brings the heat. Hans, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm happy. How are you guys doing? It's wonderful to be here again. You're doing good, man. And, you know, we, we we do a mailbag segment every week, and you, know, you sent us some good questions. So I'll let you ask Joe this question because it's a, it's a phenomenal question. Well, um, this is something that I've, I personally really feel passionate about because, you know, I honestly felt like for the last few years the Jets have been a team without some real defined leaders. I mean, yeah, you could – sure, you could say everyone knows who it is, but let's let's be honest – it's not the same without the C on the chest. So do you think that team captains need to be brought back? And if so, who would yours be? Uh, I want to thank you for calling in, Hans. You are a beast on Twitter. We definitely talk, and we go, we've gone back and forth before about the team. So uh, I, I want to thank you for listening and thank you for calling in. Much respect, um, man. Always, always <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, my team captain, yes, do I think it should be brought back? Uh, there's positive and negative to that. I believe that everyone on the team should, should think about, you know, think of themselves as a leader. Um, I, I think that pushes competition. I also think that pushes everybody as well. But if we're, if we're going to talk about, you know, bringing the team captain thing back, you definitely got to say Nick Mangold is one. Um, mm-hmm. you, definitely, you definitely have to say that uh, Biggershaw Ferguson is one. You're definitely going to have to say Muhammad Wilkerson is one. Um, I think Revis will automatically get the team captain as well, just because, I mean, it's Revis. Let's be serious here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think if you, you know, if we're, if we're giving, if you're giving one more out, you, you're definitely going to have to say that I think the Sheldon Richardson is another guy that definitely should be one. And, and David Heller, Davis Harris should be in there too. Um, so Joe, are you, you going to get Joe? Right, Joe, right now you have the entire team, right now you have the entire team where it sees Joe. <laughs> those are really good candidate names. Yeah, those Honestly, are really. I'm giving, I'm giving candidates here, Tyson. I'm giving candidates. I mean, you can't you can't leave those guys out though. Those are our leaders. No, you really you think can't. About this team. Uh, it, it's really hard to pick. You know, if I don't know, I, I don't know if, how we were going to break it down or what, what number you guys wanted to bring it to. But it's really hard to pick when you when you bring up the names that I just brought up because those are really leaders on that team. They really are. Those I mean, are the typ- guys that are really making this team move. I mean, typically you – I think the typical number for team captains is like four or five. Yeah. So – and honestly, uh, what I think went wrong with team captains in 2011, Rex picked them. The team didn't pick yep. them. Rex picked them. And one of the guys he picked – let's wonder who that was. Tony <laughs> Holmes. He was he was a locker room cancer, and he let the experience with Holmes as a captain taint his view on team captains. And it, I, I, I think Rex completely mishandled it. Just another one of the things that he just did wrong. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you on that, Hans. And everyone knows, you know, I, I love Rex as a coach, but that team captains that he totally just jacked up. Name it Antonio Holmes, a, a team a team captain was was a total mistake. Um, yeah, I, he missed out on a lot of other guys that should have been team captains too, and he even picked them as well. And that really put yeah. a sour sour taste in, in, in the mouth of a lot of the guys that were on the team. So yeah. when, when you looked at a guy like Antonio Holmes that was just doing whatever was like, and what? getting away with it. Yeah, and exactly. It was like, what? Like, why would you name him a team captain? I think that was a huge mistake by Rex, and I think that that's what caused a lot of the locker room problems as well because you had this clown, you know, doing whatever he wanted to do, and he was wearing the C. So it was just like, yeah. wow, this is the guy that the coach wants to pick. It's like, that's just, that's just crazy. That's why the team absolutely has to crazy. pick, not the coach. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely, absolutely. I wanted to kind of ask you a question about the draft as well. Um, I'm wondering, with the sixth pick, we're sitting there at the sixth pick, and you see Amari Cooper, and you see Shane Ray. I'm wondering, who would you pick between the two? Well, I've been I've been a pretty big Amari Cooper fan of late, and mm-hmm. I'm yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. I've I'm just I I I love the big body receiver kind of kind of guy, and I'm not sure that Shane Ray falls within the top. 10 I think he's more of like a top 15 kind of person and yeah. I mean if you were to switch from Shane Ray to Vic Beasley I would go with Vic Beasley but if you're going to make me pick between Cooper and Shane Ray I would go Amari Cooper <clears throat> now Hans is it now is it if so now basically we're saying like if it's a Fowler or a Beasley or a Cooper you're going with the pass rusher yeah I, I would agree too and I know that's going to piss people off but I think with our receivers that we have now you're going to get more bang for your immediate buck with that pass rusher over a guy who Cooper yeah. is going to be a great pro. I, I just think it's an immediate need that would be addressed. Um, what is your take on running backs? What round would you go with a running back? Second or third round, you never take a running back in the first. See yep. Richardson, Trent. <laughs> is there any guys that stick out to who you? Who has that one less career longest rush than Peyton freaking Manning? <laughs> is there oh, any man. running backs that are, any running backs that have caught your attention that you're kind of hoping you get in the second round or no? Um, there was one name. There's one name going around Twitter earlier that I saw, but I forget. But the other two names that really in, intrigue me are Todd Gurley and T.J. Yeldon. Oof. Yeah, I'm not a Yeldon guy, but that. But I mean, no? so you're not interested. You're not interested in guys like Johnson, like Duke Johnson, or like a, a explosive guy, a fast guy, or even like maybe a David Johnson later on. Um. Well, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't have a lot of draft experience myself, so I don't know all of the names that are out there. Those are just the earliest names that I would consider taking. Anyone okay, that would that would help the Jets? I am. I am all. I am all for willing to to um, I'm willing to root for anyone who's willing to put on the uniform. So, but but is your goal your goal is to add like a pass catching explosive guy to the backfield? With right now like Powell's versatile, you know, Blau Powell's versatile, Chris Ivory's a wrecking ball. We need like a an explosive guy once he turns the corner, he's kind of gone kind of a player, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking as well. It's just we want like a dynamic player, you know. Just and the, you know the other thing too is you know even with a receiver that that's kind of like a, a missing piece too. Where you know we have you know Marshall's a big body guy, Decker's you know Decker's a, you know a big size guy. Curly does his slot work. You know we have T.J. Graham, you have Owasu, but we kind of need a speed burner too, like a legitimate deep threat. What is your take on uh, Denarius Whoa, Moore? Guys, guys, did you just <laughs> see Twitter? Did you nope, just whatever. see Twitter? Sorry, Nancy. The Jets have just filed tampering charges against the Patriots. For Let the- me make sure. Okay, yes. Yes, this is coming from the official pro football talk Twitter. Oh. The Jets have filed <laughs> tampering charges against the Patriots based oh. on crap comments on Revis per a league source. The ultimate tit for tat with the Jets and the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> This, this thing needs to be really put to bed. It's 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 hilarious, but it's sad and pathetic at the same time. I I think I think we need to cut my call off at that point. <laughs> this is just too <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Got straight. All right, Hans. Thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Have a wonderful night. You too. Yeah, and and that is funny. I had a feeling that was going to happen, Joe, because. Well, Woody Johnson, his comments were so innocent in the press conference where he asked about Revis. It wasn't like he was sitting there trying to recruit him. So for them to file tampering charges, you know, it was kind of like, come on, man. Like, it, it was it was pretty obvious that he wasn't trying to do that. So then once Robert Kraft started talking about Revis, I was like, you just know if this front office has any kind of just backbone, they're going to come right back at him and say, you know what, we're filing our own tampering charges. Yeah, this is just tit for tat, like we said, going back and forth. It's just, it, it, it you know, it, it is what it is. I, I just think that, you know, this is just, I, I just can't wait to play him. I can't wait to see him this season. I really can't wait to, everybody's laced up, you know, the Jets put the cleats on, we put our helmets on, and we just go out and just crush the Patriots. I just, I just can't stand them, and I can't, I can't this is just, it's just, it's it's so ridiculous. It's just ridiculous that they even file charges on us to begin with. It's, like you said, Woody Woody wasn't trying to recruit the guy. He was just answering a question, plain and simple. But you know, two can play that game, I guess. And now they're going to offset each other, and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, nothing's going to. Nobody's yeah. going to get anything, which I'm fine with. Um, going back to the going back to the the Rivers thing, and we we've got a lot of lot of tweets about that. Listen, I, I respect Philip Rivers, Joe. I understand. I love his tenacity. I love the way he's a competitor. I love all that. I just don't see it happening. I don't see – I mean, if you read NFL.com, everywhere you see they want Philip Rivers to retire a charger. That, that's what you see. So I think a lot of it is, you know, a name comes up. We all start – what's our package? What's this? What's that? I just don't see it ever, 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 ever happening. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. My, my, my stance on it was what about the future? Um, as, as I said, I, we spent a lot of money this off season, a lot. And then when you take on Phillip Rivers, and then the compensation that you'll have to give the Chargers if you, you know, if you trade for them, it's just like you're not you're not setting yourself up for for future success. You're not you're not working with longevity. I mean, have we learned nothing? Did you watch the Redskins? You know, we watched the Redskins try this over and over and over again. You know, we'll just go buy a guy, we'll make a trade, we'll go get this guy. It's like that's not the way you can. That's not the way you should do it. You know, you you got to bring guys in, you got to draft guys. You got to treat free agency, you know, just to kind of fill a hole here and there. But you you can't go out, you know, a million on a on a quarterback because Philip is going to demand that. Like we spoke about, this was last contract, so 
you know, it's not going to happen. It never was going to happen. The same thing with Drew Brees is what I thought. It was, wasn't going to happen either. I just think, you know, we need to compete with the guys that we have now and, uh, you know, get ready for the future and, you know, hopefully maybe draft the guy or maybe our franchise quarterback turns out to be Geno. Who knows? But we just need to work with, you know, guys that, that will fit under our cap that we can afford that will definitely allow us future success. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there was there was some examples to him and Favre, and I understand Rivers is much younger, but it's just, you know, we you got it's not – this isn't Madden. We're not playing fantasy football. There's repercussions. If you mortgage half of your draft to get them, that's going to be a problem. If you give them a $100 million contract in a couple of years, you're probably going to regret that as well. So there's pros and cons to both sides. I don't think it's going to happen, so I think it's kind of a moot point to discuss it. The next, the next topic is a very interesting topic, and this is actually – a point of our debate when Revis was a free agent. And, you know, Pro Football Focus released an article this morning which was just geared 1,000% to piss off Jet fans. It was the decline of Darrell Revis. You know, and it was mm. like, is you know, Darrell Revis declining? Is it a concern this year? Is it a concern next year? All that. So before I go on my little extended rant, Joe, what is your take on your – I'll just say, what are your expectations for Revis, and do you think it was a bad deal signing him? I don't – I mean, we paid him a lot of money. I spoke about this before. A lot of money. That was that was a lot of money. Uh, I think it was a deal that had to be made at that point because we had already attached our name to it. Woody had to get that deal done. Um, Agreed. I would, like to have paid, I would like to have paid him – I would love to have paid him a little bit less or a lot less and still got him in, but that's not, that's not reality. Um, so, you know, I think it was a decent deal. Do I think he's declining? No, I watched him. I watched him after I watched him when he was in Tampa Bay after, you know, he tore his ACL up, and he was still a solid corner, even though he wasn't 100. percent I watched him last year too when he was with the Patriots, and he was still a really good corner. I don't think he's declining yet. Do I think he'll decline? Absolutely, soon enough. Um, maybe within the next probably two years. After these two years, because he'll be well into his 30s. Every single corner that I've seen that gets into their 30s like that declines, no matter who they are. Um, Father Time is undefeated. That's a fact. Um, so I, I, I don't I don't think he's declining yet. Um, my expectations for him, I think he should come in and be the exact same corner that he was with us before, solid, a guy that you can't just throw over there. He's going to be a guy that you're going to be afraid of. So I think he's always going to shut down the, you know, the half of the field of every single game. Maybe not every single game, depending on, you know, who's over there. But I think he'll he's still going to be better than most of the corners in the league, if not all of the corners in the league. So, I expect a solid effort for him, from him. I expect a, you know, just a, a number one or 1A, whatever you want to look at, maybe with him and Richard Sherman, if you like Sherman more, a 1A corner, um, a guy that's just going to shut guys down. So that's what I'm looking for. What about you, Tyson? I'll say this. If you're looking for the 2009 version of Darrell Revis, you're not getting that. You're not. Mm-hmm. Because that was one of the all-time great years we've ever seen. But if you're looking for a top three corner, that's what you're going to get. I mean, the standard for him has gotten so high that I think he couldn't achieve it anyway. But the, what the Jets paid for was an elite corner, and he's still an elite corner. Is he the best one? Maybe not. Maybe he's two. Maybe he's three. But you know what? He's ours, and he, he's going to serve a significant role on this defense. Now, is he declining? Even if he's lost a quarter of a step, that's still better than 85% of this not probably 90% of this league. 95% of this league. So that, that, to me, is good enough. I'm not worried about it this year. I think... A huge part of the role Revis's game is mental. It's his technique. He outthinks you. He, he he studies game tape. He studies your movement. He studies technique. He that half, half his game is, is or a good portion of his game is mental. He's beating you with his mind, not his body. 
And you know, so honestly, I don't, I don't. The whole decline thing, I think, is, is to get clicks. Talk to me in two years, but in, in two years, you know what? His contract goes down. So I'm not worried about it this year. I'm not worried about it next year. I think it's a smart player. I think he'll adjust his game. And I think having a pass rush in front of him, a dynamic pass rush, will also help him. So I'm not buying it right now. I, I think it, it's a good story to attract attention, but not a concern right now for Darrell Rivas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. We're definitely in agreement. He's a guy that has supreme technique. Um, he's also a guy that I think when he, if he does decline, if and when he does decline, I think he's a guy that can also make a transition back to safety too because he's so smart. I've seen a lot of older corners do that as well. Once they can't keep up there, they, they transition back to safety, and, and they're solid safeties. I think he's a guy that can possibly do that too because he's so smart and his technique is so good and he studies film so well. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see how everything goes with him. But as far as is he declining right now and all that, no. That's just another media spin, another way to get clicks. I'm, I'm not listening to that. You know, and the other thing, too, is, you know, when the, when the Jets signed Cromartie and Gilchrist, you know, people are like, oh, you know, Antonio Cromartie, four years, $32 million. Oh, my God, they overpaid for him. They are out of their – you know, they, I can't believe they did that. This is ridiculous. Well, here, here's the deal. $7 million guaranteed. $7 million mm-hmm. guaranteed. Guess what, Joe? Next year, say he bombs out this year, next year cut him, no cap hit. Say he plays good next year, the following year he bombs out. Guess what? No cap hit. You could not ask for a better deal. Antonio Camardi clearly wanted to come back. He took less money to come here. Joe, when you heard he only got $7 million guaranteed, and that's for this year, you had to be surprised. I was doing backflips. <laughs> I was absolutely doing backflips. I just wanted to hear the numbers. Once I heard he got signed, I wanted to hear the numbers. I wanted to hear what the contract looked at looked like. And once you like you said, once I found out it was only seven million guaranteed, I was doing backflips. That is a solid deal right there for to bring in Cromartie. Took less money to come back. I'm excited to have him back. That was a guy that I talked about all through free agency. It was a guy that I wanted to bring back because I, I I think he's a solid corner for us and I think that's exactly what he's gonna be. So solid contract, a good signing for us to bring him in. You know, the media is going to do what they're going to do. You know, they're going to swing things the way they want to swing it. Every, every time a guy gets signed, the first thing the guys on TV say is, don't always look at, the, look at the big number. Look at the guaranteed money. So why didn't they do the exact same thing for Kamari? Why is everybody talking about the big number here, the 30-plus 30, 30 but no one's talking about the $7 million guaranteed? Like, let's be serious here. Everyone, everyone that knows the NFL or is reporting the NFL, they know how to read contracts and they know what's going on. Be serious about yourself. And, and talk about his guaranteed money. It, it was a good signing and a good move by the Jets. Point blank. And, it, and if and if you're looking and if you're looking for, for for any kind of analysis of Mike McCagnan and Rod Graves and the Jets front office, you're impressed. Like we mentioned, they overpaid for Revis, but you know what? They got one of the best offensive players of football. They overpaid for David Harris. We understand that, but you can make a very good case for keeping him, and for a variety of reasons which we discussed last week, keeping him from Rex and everything else. I'll give you those. You look at the Camardi contract, brilliant. Less money, $7 million guaranteed. And then after that, he's still getting paid good corner money. But if his play falls off, you can drop him. Marcus Gilchrist, four years, $22 million, 3.5 guaranteed. It's basically a, show, like a, a one-year show-me deal. So now here you go. You're looking for a safety. Okay, we, they got a guy they kind of like. But they're like, you know what? We're going to show you the money. You show us your play. If you don't play the way we want, you're out of here. And it's less than a $2 million cap hit next year. I mean, it's not like – so he basically said, Here, here's your chance. You show us. You get paid. If you don't, you're out of here. And there's, I mean, it's a smart deal for Gilchrist as well. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of performance deals is what I call them. Michael McCagney yep. knows exactly what he's doing. 
This dude is rolling. He is making deals. And he knows exactly how to get guys in there for the right size team. And it's like, it's like it, it, to me, it just seems like no one's really reporting on that, um, which I don't expect because we're the Jets and the media does what they do. But it, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. The way he's making moves, it's absolutely genius. It's a performance contract. Hey, we're going to show you the money if you perform the way you need to perform. And if you don't, hey, then you're gone, and it's not going to cost us too much. It's just a smart GM making smart moves. That's it. No, it's true, and it's true. It's like you know what they they want to they want to like just belabor the oh the Jets they had you know the awful contract for David Harris. You know what I liked it. The overpaid so we had the cap space. I'm fine with it. So you spend a little bit too much for Revis. I'm happy he's back, and you can make a very good case that he's going to be a a huge impact signing. But then you look at Gilchrist, you look at Camardi, Buster Screen. You, you can see he's making money, but you know what? You need three good corners. They're not going to come cheap, especially in the market when a guy like Byron Maxwell is getting paid ridiculous money. You have no choice. But then, Joe, then you look at all the, the, the line signings, the offense and defensive line. They're all like veteran minimum contracts. They're all like low, you know, Corey Hillier, James Brewer, Willie Colon, Kevin Vickerson, Stephen Bowen. You're bringing all these guys in. They're veterans. It's depth and it's competition and it's cheap. So when you, you know, when you lose a Kendrick Ellis or you, you know, lose a Doosable or guys like that, you're bringing all these guys in that they're experienced, they're veterans, and they're not, they're not breaking your bank. So that's how you build your team, and that's how you build your overall roster. Exactly. And he's done, like, we, we totally agree on that. He's done a lot of, brought in a lot of guys, you know, quality depth signings, a lot of good veterans. You can also talk about how he was able to get back Pace and, and Jason Babbitt as well for, for yep. you know, small amounts and get them back in the team as well. Just solid moves. Low, you know, under-the-radar moves where he's bringing in guys that are still going to be productive, that are veterans so they know what to do. They can also help the younger guys come along as well, and they're going to be accountable, and they're going to do what they need to do. And it also boasts competition as well. He's going to bring guys in, you know, cheap, that are going to compete with everybody, and they're going to show out. So it's just solid moves by a quality GM. It's just Mike McCagnan is just smart. He's a smart guy making smart moves paying guys for performance, and that's it. He's not going to overpay. I mean, he overpaid a little bit for Rivas, but for the most part, he's not going to overpay for most guys, and, and he's going to be smart about his signing. So it's just, just good quality moves by him. Well, it is, and I, I mean, I'm going to give credit to Rod Graves as well. I mean, even McCagnin mm-hmm. today, he, you know, they're at the owners' meetings, and he's saying, listen, you know, I'm in constant contact with the front office, my team, this and that. So Rod Graves and his, his you know, negotiating experience, things like that, has to be a tremendous mm-hmm. asset to this front office. And, you know, right now it's hard to not be impressed. I like their approach. They've been aggressive. There's a clear, definitive plan in place. They've identified their deficiencies, and they're attacking them. And that's all you can ask. And they're not done. I mean, they're gonna. They have you know the draft. They're still they're still bringing in free agents. I know Jason Truzik's being brought in, Denarius Moore. All these guys are they're bringing a lot of guys in. And, and with that being said, we're gonna we're going one of our mailbag questions. Our good friend Marty on Twitter, uh, Tune Time eighty eight. Marty is raving about Mike McCagnin and all the, the depth signings he had, and he wants to know what our favorite one was. Like which depth signing, kind of you know was one that we liked or our favorite one. And Joe, I'll start out with this. His was uh, Vickerson. Um, the defensive end, and mm-hmm. I will say mine. Mine is going to shock you, actually. It's going to be Willie Colon, and I'm going to tell you why. While Willie Colon, you know, struggled last year with the penalties and all this other stuff, I think he's going to be valuable for two things: leadership and mentoring. And I think that's and no, no, make it three things and insurance. So if we have to 
you know, you have to bring in a young, say like a, a Dozier starting and a Bushi or a Bushi winners or young guys starting, and they start to get completely manhandled and it, things are going south. He could be a spot starter and hold the fort. And it's not, I mean, he's a minor liability, but it's not going to completely melt down. So for me, while resigning him kind of raised my eyebrows, like, wow, I was ready to move on. He's a depth signing. Is he in the, he's going to be in the mix to start. I don't think he's probably not, he's probably not going to start. But I think he's going to have a tremendous amount of value. You know, he, he's tenacious. He's a leader. I mean, do you hate the penalties all that stuff? Yes. But in terms of a spot starter coming in and for depth, I think for me that's probably a quality depth move for the Jets. Um, what, what is your take? My, 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 I think is you know, Willie Colon has had his ups and downs. But I, I can see your point, and I, I can agree with that. You know, he's a guy that's going to compete. He's a guy that's going to teach the young guys and, you know, do what he needs to do and hold guys accountable. So I guess I can, I can agree with you. It's just as long as he's not a starter. My, my guy um, is going to be Jason Babin. Um, spoke about him earlier. I think he's a guy that, you know, Graves was able to and, and McCagnon was able to get back in. And this guy, he's going to add exactly what we need. He's a, a guy that's going to rush the passer. Uh, he's going to push Quentin Copel. If Quentin does not perform, then Quentin's going to see that bench. And you're going to have Jason Babbin out there doing what he needs to do to get to that quarterback. Um, so I think he definitely feels a need. He can also, you know, feel the depth need as well on that line. So I think that that was a really solid signing for us and a very solid signing by McCagney. Yeah, so, I, 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 I agree. I agree to. I agree to. I'm still surprised he didn't rip me to shreds for Willie Colon. I'm not gonna lie to you. No, I, you know, you know what? Because at, at the end of the day, he's not a starter. As long as he's not a starter, I have no issue. You know, with Willie Colon necessarily being brought back because he's gonna he's gonna be competing as long as as long as he's brought in for competition, I'm fine. But Willie Colon, at no no way in the world should be starting for us. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Okay, not. I'm just. Now, I don't. Say, you know what? The one if, thing was. Just, the reason why I'm saying that is because our good friend Ron Pickett, who I'm still trying to find a way to get a Notre Dame stock on the show tonight, he says, Please you don't. and Joe agree way too much. He said, we agree too much. I'm like, he obviously didn't hear our Percy Harvin argument. Our Percy Harvin arguments went on for like three weeks. But so, um, so I just want to make sure that we don't always agree. But uh, we're going to bring on our, our next caller, and this is Dominic. So Dominic, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hi, how are you? I was just uh, listening to the Philip Rivers comments. And I wouldn't give up anything more than maybe swapping picks this year in the draft and we get Rivers, but I don't think they're going to do that. Not only be if Mariota's available, which I don't think he will be, and about the pass rushers, Fowler's on the board, you take them, but maybe Gregory or Beasley or Shane Ray maybe are other options, <clears throat> obviously. Oh, wait, but Tom, hold on a second. Now, you want to, for Rivers, you want to swap first-round picks? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, but they 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 won't they probably won't take that deal. No, it's possible. Yeah, they're gonna want a lot more than that. I think. I, I think they're gonna probably want a king's ransom. That's their franchise quarterback. Now, when you're mm-hmm. talking about pass rushers, who's your favorite one? Is it Fowler or is it Beasley? Like, what's like if they're all available at six? Who's like the one guy you definitely want to get? Fowler definitely, but there's been a lot of mocks to him at three to Jacksonville. Uh, I don't think he's going to be available, but if he is, just run to the podium and take him because he's probably the best. Well, he's one of the he's probably the best all around uh, pass rusher in this draft. So if he's there, I have to take him. But he probably he doubtfully he probably won't be there. So, uh, so if he, if he, so is it Beasley then your number two option? Um, Beasley, 
Yeah, he's just, I think, in my opinion, he's just as good as a pass rusher. He just, um, and then Gregory is number three. Gregory has a lot of upside. It's just he needs to put on some weight. And I think he, he's a boomer bust prospect. If he, he can be re- very good in, t- in both defense, but he can also be a bust. So uh, Beasley, if he's there, I think that's going to be the pick. But Fowler is the best one. Okay, so here's a question for you. If Fowler and Beasley are both gone, would you go Cooper? Would you go wide receiver instead? Uh, well, it looks more and more like the Raiders are going to take Kevin White. So if if they don't want to take Shane Ray there, which I don't think they should, um, if Cooper is the best player on the board right there, I would take him. I mean, maybe Bud Dupree. He's a guy that's like rising in the draft in the past like a couple weeks. But I don't think they're going to take him at six. Um, but if Cooper's there and the two top guys are off the board, then I would take him because one, Brandon Marshall's 31. He only has a couple of years left on his contract, I believe. And he, he just uh, Cooper on third down, I think he'll be a great receiver. <clears throat> like on third down. And Kevin White is more of a boomer bust prospect. He'll, he could be Julio Jones or he could be, you know, a bust. Like it's – and the Raiders are probably going to take him there. So – Cooper's there, you take him. If the top passers are off, are off the board. <clears throat> okay, I could definitely see your point there with uh, taking Cooper. My thoughts are, what do you think about the running back position? Who, who's the guy that you're looking to see us possibly bring in to kind of fill that role as a speed back? Because, you know, we already have Ivory, who's a pounder. He's a physical runner. you got Bilal Powell, who's a guy that can catch the ball out the backfield, but he doesn't necessarily have that speed. So who's the guy that you're looking to possibly bring in to fill that role? Uh, I would think in the second round or the third round, uh, Ajahi in the second round, probably the, uh, he's a really well-rounded back. Gurley mm-hmm. or Gordon are there. Um, I just, you have, I would pretty much, you have to take them because Ivers free agent, so is Powell next year. So, I mean, Gurley, he'd probably be a top 10 pick this year without the injury. So he has obviously a lot of talent. And Gordon just is broke tons of records in college. He was great. So Ajahi is probably the most reasonable option in the second round. Maybe Duke Johnson in the third or fourth round. But in this Ajahi in the second Ajahi in the second round would probably be most ideal because he can do everything. He can catch, he can get you know, screens, he can run the ball. He's tough, you know. He would be a great um player in the second round. But if you don't want to draft the running back in the second round, go with Duke Johnson in the fourth round, third or fourth, maybe Amir Abdullah, someone like that, in the later on. So there's a lot of options in this draft. And McCagnan said it today on um, 98.7 FM, the radio. He said that he hinted at the Jets possibly drafting the running back, which I think they will do in the, in the mid to late round in this draft. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see a guy he being brought in. I like Duke Johnson myself, so we definitely agree there. Um, I, uh, another question I want to ask you is, our quarterback competition here. You got Fitz, you got Geno. Who do you think actually has the upper hand? And would you be okay if Geno beat Fitz out? Would, could you see Geno Smith being a starter here? Yeah, it's, as long as they have a fair competition, like last year with the Idzik, you know, you say it's a fair competition. When it, and obviously it was favored towards Geno Smith because that was another guy that they drafted. If it's mm-hmm. a fair competition this year, and Gino wins, you start him. But if Fitzpatrick wins, then you have to start Fitzpatrick. It, it should be if McCagnan is preaching about competition, then 
you should go with whoever's the best player in training camp in the preseason. That's who they should start. <clears throat> Tom, how old are you, dude? Thirteen. Dude, you are dropping some serious knowledge right here, man. Where where do you get all this information from? Do you study like Twitter all day? <laughs> I go on Twitter. I have a, uh, you know, look at some mock drafts stuff like that. So, you know. Before we let you before we let you go, dude, give out your Twitter handle, man, because you I'm impressed, man. You dropped some serious knowledge about the draft, about the <laughs> roster. You covered it all, man. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Dfitz nine four seven seven. That's the Twitter. I mean, it just, Joe, I mean, aren't you impressed by this kid's just breaking it down for us and just sharing all kinds of stuff? He's not scared. Yeah, absolutely. I hit him with a couple questions. I wanted to keep going with it. I mean, he definitely is very, very knowledgeable. I want to thank him for calling in, too, man. You dropped a lot of knowledge. Yeah, so for, everybody listen, for everybody listening, it's DFITZ, F-I-T-Z, 9477. We'll make sure we tweet it out. Dom, man, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, maybe I'll call again next week. <laughs> You do it. You do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Joe, he's sitting there talking to us. I'm like, all right. You know, he has some knowledge. I'm like, you know, maybe, you know, he, he had a couple of things he studied. And we started peppering mm-hmm. him with questions, and he had answers for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Once he brought, brought up a Jaggi and Duke Johnson, and he kept rolling, I was like, wow, this kid, this guy really knows what he's talking about here. He's definitely bringing up guys that I've, I've talked about as well, that I've gone, you know, back and forth with people about on Twitter. So, Definitely knowledgeable. I'm looking forward to, to to speaking with him again, man. I hope he calls in again. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That was pretty impressive. Uh, we'll go to our next caller. We have a couple callers on the line, so just uh, bear with us. We're uh, we're trying to get to you as fast as we can and give everybody a chance to speak. Um, the next caller is Ed, who wants to talk about the quarterbacks. Ed, this is Joe and Tyson. What's up, man? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Um, I've been listening for a while. My first time calling, so you know, just want to you know, chime in a little bit. Um. I have a couple points. Right? My first point is this. Um, Geno Smith has been pretty, you know, inconsistent up and down, but I see the talent, and I think he has some ability, but I'm not I'm not going to completely give him the job, just hand him the job. I do agree with, you know, bringing in a Fitzpatrick and having a competition and let the best man win. I'm not ready to throw him away, and I think he gets a lot of um, unfair um, hate, and criticism sometimes, it's almost as if it's personal with some people, you know. That's how I take it. And my next you know, it, is about – Well, Ed, before, before we even go into that, I, I'll, just, I'll just address that. First of all, thanks for listening and thanks for calling in. And I think one of the problems that Gino had, I think Gino was a victim of Mark Sanchez, and I think Gino was a victim of Rex Ryan. And the reason why I say that is the ghost of Sanchez was there where the minute Gino faltered, everybody's like, oh, here he goes. Here's the next Sanchez. He's going to fail. So he had to deal with that. And then he had to deal with Rex Ryan mishandling him a variety of ways with either not giving the right coaching, the right discipline, the right accountability, or even the right game plan. So I, I, I think that he was a victim of both of those things. And I'm real curious to see how he handles this under Chan Gailey and a new staff where Chan Gailey is a respected mind, a good coach, a legit game planner who's going to build a game plan around his abilities. So I think there's potential there, man. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with him. I hope so because um, I think he has the talent, um, and I think a guy like him, drafted 39th overall, did not get these these many opportunities. So I hope he takes advantage of it because if he pans out, the reset, and I hope he I'm, I'm rooting for him, you know. And my next point is about Mariota. I mean, is it just me? Maybe it's just me, 
But I'm not sold. I mean, all I've seen from this guy is just a one read guy. He's one read. If nothing's open, if his first read's not open, then he's taking off and running. I don't see anything in this game that lets me feel confident that his skill set will translate to the next level. At least Gino was in the spread too, but I've seen him at times, you know, drop back, go through progressions a little bit. So I thought he maybe had a little more, a little more um, potential. With Mariota, I don't see it. To me, if he, if, to me, if he pans out, I think he could be another Kaepernick. And do we want Kaepernick 2.0? I mean, I don't know. It, it, exactly. And I want to thank you for calling in as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening as well. Uh, and, and that's that's exactly what scares me about Mariota as well. He's not a slam dunk. He's not a slam dunk at six. And I feel like if he's not a slam dunk, then we shouldn't even be talking about taking him. You know, we need to, you know, draft him maybe a pass rusher or move down or whatever. But if a guy's not a slam dunk, then you just don't take him at six. That's what blows my mind about all the media outlets and all these guys coming out saying, we have, you have to take Mariota and all these people doing that. We don't, we don't have to do anything. We need to do what's in the best interest for the team. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, I'm wondering about, you know, the quarterback competition that we already have here. I want to ask you a question about what do you think about Fitzpatrick? Do you think he'll have enough to push Geno uh, in the current state? Um, I think he do. He's an he's an average um, quarterback. He's a guy that he's a he's a good backup. He's a really good backup. One of the best backups in the league. But at the same time, he's a guy that um, if you need him to come in and start, he'll come in and play a couple of games for you and play well. That's what he is. He's a guy that could push your guys. You need somebody to come in and be be competition to kind of push your young guy. He's perfect for this role. So I think it's fine for what he's brought in to do. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think it's. I think you know, if Geno falters, he's a guy that can come in. He can win some games. I think you know, he's, I think he's got more value than Michael Vick at this point than we had last year. So I think there's some definite value there. What is your take on the running back position? Are you looking for an explosive guy in the draft? Like, what are you looking for in terms of a running back? I mean, for me, I I love power. I'm probably one of the first guys. That you know, what you know, I looked at Bilal Powell and I thought, okay, this is my guy. This is a guy that I think if he gets his opportunity, he could really be productive. But he's always stuck behind other guys. You know, Sean Green, and you know, in his first year, the second year he gets his opportunity and he's productive. So I think we're okay at running back. Now, I mean, maybe that's just an unpopular opinion, but I think we're okay between him and Ivory. And we have Daryl Richardson as a third actor to come into. So I think we're okay. Okay. I mean, I would definitely look to, yeah, I would definitely look to go speed back possibly in, in the draft. But, uh, you know, that, that's just my take on it. Because I feel like Ivory's more of a pounder. Bilal Powell, he's a solid back, but he doesn't have that burst. I think we need a change of pace guy. That's what I think we're missing here. I think we tried to cover that <laughs> Uh, road back when we picked up Chris Johnson, but that didn't really work out for us at all. So, I, but I, I think we definitely need to go after a speed back, maybe a Duke, a Duke Johnson or a Jahi or something like that in the draft. So my, my question for you is, what do you think about possibly going pass rusher in the draft? And uh, yeah. at six, and if so, who who exactly would you be looking at to, for us to draft as, as far as bringing in a pass rusher? Um, I'm not really much of a college guy per se. But the guy that I really, you know, looked at and studied a little bit 
is um, Vic Beasley, if we were to take a pass rusher. So I look at the top prospects at the positions, and, I, you know, I study them, I watch film, and I see, okay, this, this guy could be a potential player. I look at him, and I think he could definitely be a guy that I think has some potential to really help us give us something at the pass rushing position. We haven't had it since um, John Abraham. So I'm looking at somebody like him. Yeah, you're you're not alone, Ed. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, like, it was funny when, you know, like, back in the day, I mean, watching John Abraham, it was like his explosion, his dominance, and when he was on and, and healthy, he was just a ridiculous force that you always had to account for. If you can get that in a Beasley or a Fowler or – now, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be Ray, but if you can get it out of those guys, this defense would be ridiculous because then you have guys inside. Then you have, like – Wilkerson and Richardson, even Harrison. I mean, all these guys. It's just like you can't account for everybody. And then you can even you can even blitz a David Harris, who's like kind of almost underrated as a blitzer. I mean, you know, Todd Bowles would be like a, he'd be like a, a scientist back there, just dialing up potions of blitzes and, and and schemes. It would be it'd be pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, I agree. We do need a pass rusher, somebody with some youth that could grow and develop. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we get that, and you know, unfortunately, we have a whole other month to discuss this, but uh, I think that's probably the direction the Jets are going to go. So, Ed, we want to thank you for calling in, man. We want to thank you for listening, and feel free to call in again, dude. We love talking Jets. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good night. Thank. You. Good night. Yeah, Joe, you know, it's interesting. We have a lot of new callers tonight, which is great to hear from, and, you know, we, we definitely appreciate all the new listens and all the new followers. But it seems like there, there's a common trend. It's like everybody's like, you know what, if you have that pass rusher, and it seems to be the same couple names, but what's going to be interesting is if those two names aren't there, if Fowler and Beasley are gone, then things get interesting because then you have guys with maybe a question mark. Like you mentioned, Ray, I mean, you, you read things on Gregory, there's some, you know, not questions, but you can see the concerns or do you go for that money receiver? You know what I mean? Then it's like, all right, now what do you do? And that's when things really start heating up. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, that's a scenario where you're going to see, you know, Mike McCagney step up. Like I said, I, he's he's made great moves in free agency, but a lot of that I think what is going to build up his legacy here is what he's going to do in the draft. Um, yep. And I think that that's something, when those scenarios come about, if that scenario comes about, you're going to have to see him make an adjustment um, and, and make adjustments in the draft and, and do what he needs to do to either move up, move down, or react to whatever the situation is. Um, that's going to speak to his legacy. So it can it can be very interesting. It, it can get into a very interesting scenario. We'll see how he reacts and see what he does to you know for the betterment of the team. Yeah, and, and since we're talking draft, we'll bring on our next caller, and our, our caller is Mike. Mike, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. No problem. So we're, we're talking some draft, and I know that you want to start share some draft knowledge. So what are your thoughts? Um, well, I I feel like we should definitely get a pass rusher. You know, I feel like if we get a, a good pass rusher with, you know, two with two to three good uh, corners, it would be pretty easy for us to get to the quarterback, you know, since the backside will be holding up for us. I, um, I, I, I don't really believe in uh, Shane Ray too much. You know, I've watched some tape on him. He gets stuck on tackles and guards sometimes, and he doesn't really fight through them as uh, as better as uh, some of the other uh, pass rushers that uh, will be available. Well, what is, your, is, your, is there a guy that you covet? Is it a Fowler? Is it a Beasley? Like, what, is there a guy that you really want? I feel like Fowler is probably – the the best pass rusher 
but I don't think he's going to be there. Beasley, there's a chance he could be there, but you never know. If he was there, I would probably pick him. Uh, if Beasley was there, I would probably pick him up. But I think Gregory, he, he's a big guy. He's 6'6". He's real skinny, but, you know, he could put on more weight, so I wouldn't be opposed to him either. But I'm not big on Shane Ray, uh, Dupree. I'm not... I'm not too big on from Kentucky, but um, if it was like Shane Ray or like Amari Cooper, I'm going Amari Cooper easy because he's guaranteed. Work. Now, now my 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 question for you is, if there's a guy that you really like, say it's Fowler or Beasley, and you're sitting there at six, and you know, and you know they could be gone at five, would you be willing to trade up one spot to get one of those guys, or you're saying, you know what, if they're gone, so be it, I'll go Cooper. Would so like the question yeah. is, would you trade up? Would you trade up for Would you trade up for a Fowler, or would you just take Cooper? Uh, I think you would probably just stay with Cooper. You know, you don't want to trade away anything that you have already. And it's like you can try to pick someone and develop them to, you know, be in be be effective in certain situations. You know, and it's like even if we uh, get a good pass rusher, they're still not going to be the, the the second or first best. Uh, on our defensive line. So it's like I I would like a pass rusher, but if Cooper's there, he's he's gonna be in the in the league for ten to fifteen years probably. Yeah, Cooper would definitely be an interesting uh pick for us if that situation were to happen. Uh mm-hmm. you know, that would definitely be an interesting selection. My my question is our running back situation uh, you know, with it being the way that it is with us having Ivory and us having Bilal Powell, you know, two cemented running backs here, what's a running back in the draft that you might covet or a guy that you think we can bring in that would definitely help mix it up and give us maybe a change of pace or just a back that you mm. think would succeed here with the team? Yeah, I feel like uh, Todd Gurley would be a great pickup, but I mm. feel like if you would do that, you would just trade back to get some type of value because you wouldn't – I don't think you would pick Todd Gurley with the sixth pick, you know. No. And then there's Melvin Gordon. He's a really good pick, but I, I can't see the Jets picking him unless they trade back. Um, I think second or third round, you can maybe find the running back from Boise State. I think his name is Ija, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think he's a good he's a good speed running back. Um, Duke Johnson is a pretty good running back. I feel like he could uh, definitely switch it up because you you already have uh, the Thunder and Chris Ivory, and then Powell is, you know, he's very versatile. He could catch the ball and run the ball as well in between the tackles. I just think that we need someone that can, you know, break a play, you know, if they get out in in, uh, in space. Mike, what is your – my last question for you is, what is your level of confidence in Mike McCagnon? We're all kind of sitting here and we're like, you know what, I want to get Fowler and I want Beasley and I think we're going to do this. And based on free agency, it seems like everybody likes what he's done. Are you entering this draft somewhat confident based on his scouting background, his personal background? Yeah, I, I feel like he's done a pretty good job, you know, making different splashes by first off resigning, you know, certain players to come back to the team that can be, you know, that can contribute to, you know, being leaders and also play on the field. And then, you know, he went out and addressed pretty much every, besides quarterback, you know, and I'm a fan of Geno. I feel like Geno can be a good quarterback. He has all the tools that are there. He just needs to be more consistent and make better decisions. But other than quarterback, I feel like they addressed every position 
pretty much that they really need and draft and in the draft I feel like they'll address probably getting a a linebacker or a speed rusher that can come off the edge. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, the criticism last year was we had a lot of holes that weren't filled. They were obvious holes. This year yeah. we knew what all deficiencies were, all deficiencies, and the Cagans went out and he's addressed almost every one of them, including a backup yeah, he, quarterback. So it, it's, exactly. it's, it's a, yeah, it's an exciting time. And I think entering the draft, you have almost a sense of confidence where it's like this guy knows what he's doing, there's a legit plan in place, and I think, I think we're going to walk out of this feeling pretty good about ourselves. Yes, I do too as well. I feel like he's been doing a good job and, you know, Isaac just was, you know, supposedly a capologist and he was trying to save money and, you know, try to build through the draft. And, you know, building through the draft, that takes a few years. You're not going to get, you know, the best players every year, you know. So that's why scouting is always the most important thing you could do. But McCagnan, he's been uh, he's been making it rain this, uh, this offseason. I'm pretty happy about it. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for calling in, man. You shared some great knowledge, and be sure to call in again, dude. Thanks, I will. All right, thank you. All right. Joe, we've had some, a lot of first-time callers tonight, and these guys are all, it's like, you know, back in the day, like nobody really knew anything about the draft. Now everybody knows something. It's, it's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first-time callers is always great. That, that just means the show is just definitely getting out there. And the fact that, like you said, they're calling in with – draft knowledge and they're asking really hard questions and they, you know, they're, they're going in. I, I love it. I love the fact that everyone, you know, loves the Jets and they want to talk about the team and they want to talk about the draft and they want to talk about what's going to make the team better. So I, I'm loving it. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, right now we got, we're going to go to our mailbag question. This is actually a really good question. Um, for, for our first time listeners, we have a very strong, the New York Jets have a very strong fan base in the United Kingdom. I mean, these guys are passionate fans, diehard fans. I mean, we, we've done a show for them, like a show just kind of like to let them share their expertise. We'll be lining up more shows for them in the future where they can call in and share their perspective from overseas, which is, which is always interesting. Um, the question, Joe, for us is, our thoughts on the NFL being played in the U.K., and if we would be willing to go to the Jets-Dolphins game, like, is it something that interests us? And our thoughts just in general about the NFL being you know, in, in the U.K.? Uh, well, if, if I can start, yeah, I I would love to go to that Jets Dolphins game. Absolutely, um, I love our UK fans. Everyone on Twitter knows that we're constantly going back and forth. I love you guys. <laughs> I retweet and tweet you guys back when I can. There's so many of you guys, it's awesome. Um, I would love to go to the game. Um, I would definitely, you know, have to have time to work it out. But if I could, I would definitely go. Um, my thoughts on the. NFL being played there, I, I think it's a good it's a good move. Um, it definitely spreads the game. It definitely you know opens up you know the fan base over there. It definitely gives more fans um, the possibility of a team actually being over there. I, I, I think that that would be a solid idea. It would definitely help the growth of the league. Um, it would definitely bring in new athletes, new players, um, new perspectives to the game as well. Um, but I don't know how we're wear on the players as far as travel and time and things like that. But if that could be worked out, um, I, I'm definitely not opposed to it. What are your thoughts, Tyson? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I think there'd be not, there'd be no greater experience as a longtime fan of New York Jets to go see them play at Wembley Stadium. I think that'd mm-hmm. be a tremendous atmosphere, 
just it's, it's a legendary stadium. I mean, it would just be awesome to do that. So in terms of me and you and possibly trying to do a show over there if we both went, I would definitely be in for something like that. In terms of the of the the NFL being over there, it's interesting because you got to kind of ask. Um, in what sense are you asking me? If you're asking me as a New York Jets season ticket holder and I'm losing one of my home games as it's going over there, you know, that's where you start getting the problems. If there's only eight home games, I can only see them eight times at home, and I'm losing one of those games to overseas, that's where fans start getting upset. Right now, Jets fans don't care because it's a Dolphins home game. Nobody really cares. You know what I mean? So for us, like, hey, that's cool, man. This is great. But as a Dolphins fan, it may piss them off a little bit. Like, hey, you know what? I can't afford to go there. I lost a home game. That's not cool, you know? So it kind of depends on what aspect you're looking at it as. In terms of marketing the game, I think it's wonderful. The more fans, the merrier. If you could open eyes to more athletes and have them want to play football and come here and play or, you know, broaden the horizon of the sport, there's no problem with that. Uh, Joe, I think the only time is when it starts coming into – when it starts taking away from the fans here in terms of their own ability to see their team at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, losing that home game for some fan bases pisses them off. Yeah, I, I, and I, I understand that, but to, to be able to do – to be able to play a game over there, it's, it's, it, it definitely helps the league out, though. So you kind of you weigh it out, and, and the, the growth of the game and everything that comes along with playing a game over there, I understand, hey, it'll take a home game away. But, you know, when you got guys over there, like our U.K. fans, a lot of them, you know, because yep. they, they learned football from that, you know, from, you know, whatever team was over there, whether the, Ra- whether the Ravens or whoever else that have played over there before uh, we actually got a chance to go. You know, that's where a lot of love for football came was they, you had to have a game over there so, they, so the people there can experience what it's like to watch, NFL, to watch the, uh, you know, the NFL play there and watch these teams go at it, you know, back and forth. So, you know, when you weigh things out and you look at the, the aspects and the growth of the game and, you know, it opens up to other athletes that are over there as well that can come and definitely benefit the league as well. I mean, uh, it's hard to argue against. But I understand the fans, but that's just really hard to argue against not having a game over there. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm saying that's the only time you have an argument is when it impacts your own pocket where it's you're losing one of your games. But no, I agree. Yeah. And then you know, and the fob question was, what if they had a Super Bowl there? I, that wouldn't bother me either. Because here, here's here's the fact of the matter. And people that get mad about that is, you know what? We're not going to it anyway. I'm mean, not not saying the Jets, <laughs> but as fans, I'm not saying the Jets. I'm saying as fans, there's a good chance that 99% of NFL fans aren't going to that game because you can't afford it and everything else. So if it's in California, if it's in Detroit, or if it's in Wembley, I don't really care where it is. I just want to watch it. So if they want to have it there and, and expand the market, more power to them. It doesn't bother me at all. Like that wouldn't phase me one bit. I mean, would it? Would you, Joe? I totally agree with everything you said. I really like you. You know, Super Bowl. That, that's super expensive to try to get into. Most of the fans are not going to be able to go. Uh, I wouldn't mind watching it if it was there too. So I, I wouldn't mind them having the Super Bowl over in the UK either. Yeah, that's like things like that. So I want to thank Thomas Knight again for those questions. I mean, like I said, we we love hearing from the guys over there in the UK. And, you know, obviously we would both love to go there. I think Wembley would be a phenomenal environment. I know a lot of Jet fans are going. It's You know, and it's just, you know, hopefully they come here too. I know the last, the last couple of Jets home games, we started getting some listeners coming to our tailgate. And it's, it's always cool to get different perspectives on the team. Um, Joe, is there any other things you want to cover? I mean, the only other thing I want to cover is just the overall, how much I've been impressed with McCagnan and Bowles in terms of their demeanor, their approach with the media. 
pretty much how they attacked free agency. I mean, you could always say, okay, well, they had the money, they spent it. I think they had a plan in place. They were pretty aggressive with that plan. And then when you see the contracts that were signed, they made sense. When you're looking at Cromarty and Gilchrist. And now when you look at these, you know, these veteran signings towards, you know, like the ones today with Hilliard and Brewer and guys like that, I think it's an impressive start for both of these guys. Absolutely, and I, I totally agree with that. We spoke about it earlier about McCagnan and, and Graves and Bowles and how they, had, like you said, they had a plan and they went into free agency and attacked and came away with a lot of guys that they coveted. So I, I kudos to them. Um, they've made a lot of moves and just made this team a lot better. Um, and, and they've given you know a lot of fans hope for this season. You know we're, we're definitely excited now. We were a lot more excited after free agency before we went in. So, you know, a lot of smart moves, and, and they're still going to be able to make moves, too. That's the thing is they're not done yet. That's the, that's what's so exciting yep. about it, knowing that you have a guy like McCagney that's so smart and done so well. So kudos to them. I just can't wait to see what we're doing. Um, one of the things, one thing that I really wanted to talk about that I've been getting tweets about left and right, people are asking me about, is Michael Sam. I want to know what your thoughts are about him and possibly bringing him to the team to be – a pass rusher, because that's one of the things that everyone's saying that he can do so well. Um, what are your thoughts on Michael Sam possibly joining the Jets? No. And the reason why, the reason no is nothing to do about anything other than his actions on the field. Every report out of the veteran combine was a disappointing report on Michael Sam, where he was a practice squad player at best. That was every report. It was either get back in the weight room, get back training, you know, work on your game, improve your technique. Everything was pretty much negative on him from his just his overall performance. So for me personally, to me, it's, it's, that's all it's about. It's about performance and your ability. So it's like, do you want a guy like that? Or do you, you know, you could bring him in for competition if that's what you'd like to do. Or do you say, you know what, we already have guys like IK and Trevor Riley and guys like that, and we're probably going to draft somebody and go that route. You know, but based on everything that I've read over the veteran combine and things like that, it was disappointing where it was practice squad player at best. It just was. It wasn't a good workout. So you know, I mean, if you know, if you want to give him a flyer, I mean, I mean, hey, if you can hit a diamond in the rough, that's awesome. But based on you know everything I said, everything I read, it wasn't positive. But what's your take on that? Exactly the same. Some of the same things that I read when he was at the combine. Exactly like I said, all performance based stuff with me. Um, same thing. A lot of the things were you know it wasn't a great workout. A practice squad player, some of his technique needs to be refined. He still needs to work on this. He still needs to get in the weight room. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even, even mess with him. I would, I would move on. And like you said, we already have guys like IK and all these other guys who we scout, and I would definitely look another way. But I've just been getting tweets about him constantly, and people are constantly asking me questions about what I thought about him. So I wanted to share that. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. It's like if you can find a player to improve this team, I'm all for it. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with it. And, but, you know, especially like when you hear McHagnan today saying, listen, we're not done. We're going to keep making moves. We're going to turn over this roster. So, you know, if, if there's a fit, it's great. I just don't think he's one right now. You know, and, and it's hopefully he gets his act together and he can, you know, make a difference and, you know, focus more on the field or whatever he wants to do to get better. You know, the veteran combine was a tremendous opportunity for a lot of these guys. And based on some of the reports, they didn't maximize it. They kind of thought they were going to show up, do a couple of drills, and be like, okay, sign me. And that didn't happen. I think only, what, one guy was signed or two guys were signed. And, you know, it's, it's a competitive business. There's a lot of hungry guys out there. And the other thing, too, is the draft's right around the corner. 
because it's just like you know, it's you want to see what you get in the draft before you go out and sign more players. Like after the first wave of free agency and and a portion of the second wave, which we're kind of in now, it's going to die down, and everybody say, you know, what? We, we feel comfortable now. Let's see what we draft, and then we'll look at these guys after the fact. You know what I mean? And I think he may fall in that thing where people are going to say, hey, you know what? Right now we're not interested. Let's see how we draft out, and maybe after that we'll give you an option. But I think heading into the draft, I, I'd be surprised if somebody signs him. Exactly. That's where I think his stuff will pick up scheme is at, or theme is after the draft uh, when they sort things out and they say, hey, we might need a, a, to bring in a pass rusher or we might need him and bring him in and compete, and then we'll see what happens. So I, I think that's where he might get some, some plug from there too. So we'll, we'll kind of see how it works out. But, I, you know, I, I think we should go in a different direction and possibly get a lot more out of a couple of players. So, you know, it's, it's a fair question. People are tweeting me, so I just wanted to see what you thought about it. No, it's a fair question. And you know, and the other, the other question revolves, it's just like we're signing all these guys. It's just like we have young guys on this team that, you know, but these guys are inheriting. McCadden's inheriting a lot of young players. You know, from Marcus mm-hmm. Williams, we mentioned I.K. and Riley, you know, Dozier. All these guys got to earn their stripes now. I mean, they're, they're little, you know, their little honeymoon period's over. Cause now it's like now they're, they're being inherited. So, you know, what? as a GM, you don't like inheriting players. You know, like if you have a guy you inherit or a guy that you want, guess who's going to go? It's going to be a guy that you want. What you want all your guys in place. So you know what? A lot of these young guys are gonna have to, they're gonna have to ratchet up their game a little bit, and I think it, it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. You, you know, like I think a guy like Ik has potential, but you know what? If he's not a Bulls guy or they they want to go a different direction, he's gonna be the odd man out. Yeah, and he or he's just gonna have to step up his game and compete to the point where they can't deny him, even if he's not the guy they necessarily want. If he shows up and shows improvement, hey, it's gonna be hard to cut a guy. You know, so. A guy that, that I'm definitely looking at, you brought him up, is Marcus Williams. I want to see him compete. I want to see if that guy was a mirage, and I want to see if he's going to show up and, and be the exact same player that he was in breakfast scheme. If he can learn this scheme fast and show out and show and improve and compete in that cornerback market and, and, and see what comes out of that, where he ends up being positioned, yeah, I, there, there's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of guys that are going to either be out the door because they're not competing hard enough or are going to be in the door because they're, they're beating guys out. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, before we wrap things up, Joe, give everybody information about our Facebook, and I'll share the Instagram stuff, but share the information on Facebook for everybody because that's, it's actually going very well with us. Yes, yes. Our Facebook is now – you can search Long Beach Joe on Facebook. That is our, our new Facebook page. It's under uh, Let's Talk Jets. We'll also tweet that out as well. Just new something new that we put together so that we can reach out and touch our fans a little bit more. Um, you know, go on there. You can, you can listen to our content. Uh, you know, you can ask questions on there. We can have discussions as well. We have tons of discussions on there as well. So definitely check that out. Um, you can check me on Twitter at YoungJ00. Follow me, tweet me. I'll follow you. I'll tweet back. If you want to troll me, I can troll you too. That's always awesome. Um, you can also watch my videos on YouTube at YoungJ000. That's three zeros on YouTube and two on Twitter. You know, watch my videos, comments. You can troll me on there too, and I'll troll you back there too, baby. <laughs> Man, you're you're like a human marketing machine, man. You got videos, you got this, you got that. I'm almost jealous, man. Jeez. I am hey, I'm all about it, man. I'm all about reaching out, touching the people. Everyone knows I love the people, I love the listeners. I I, I absolutely oh my goodness. you know, hey, I'm a man of the people. They love me, I love them, I comment back, you troll, I troll too. Let's go. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna get the uh, fire idiot guys involved. 
We're going to get you a shirt, a Let's Talk Jets shirt made that says, I love the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, right on the front, it could be man of the people. On the back, it say, I love the people. Hey, I'm here. They know hugs for everyone, free hugs for everybody, man. All right, well, we want, to, we want to, first of all, we want to thank all the callers tonight, all the first-time callers, all the callers, all the listeners. We apologize for the slow, slow responses on Twitter. Our Twitter account has just been getting crazy, but we'll make sure to get back to everybody. Um, you know, and we you just appreciate it. You know, last week's show with Fireman Ed and Calvin Pryor got an enormous amount of feedback, so we want to thank everybody for that. And just keep tuning in because we've got a lot of guests lined up and, you know, draft guests, players, agents, you name it. We're going to be talking to them. So keep tuning in. Uh, we're on uh, iTunes, Let's Talk Jets. And we're also on Instagram, too, which Kevin want wants me to promote. I'm terrible at this kind of stuff, Joe. Our Instagram page is – got to look at it. He's going to kill me because I, I don't – I just never promote this. I believe it's Let's Talk Jets, but I will tweet it out. But it's Let's Talk Jets, and that's it. I mean, another good show, a lot of fun. Joe, have a good night, man, and we'll talk about this again next week. But it's it's definitely getting to be a little exciting around here in Jets Nation. Yeah, absolutely. You have a good night, too, man, and I can't wait. I'm fired up. I'm ready to see what we do next. Mm-hmm.